Welcome to the Kincast from Kinherit. We examine everyday challenges from running a business, self-development, and getting on the property ladder to dealing with loss, having a family, and preparing for our end of life. Practical and insightful, the Kincast series will take you through life's challenges from cradle to grave. It addresses the current climate while also looking to the future to see how we can survive and thrive. Hi and welcome. My name is Ben Mason, the CEO of Kinherit, and this is the Kincast. Welcome today. We've got Alison Edgar, one of my favourite people that I speak to when I go networking and, and speaking to people around Bristol. Um, Alison is a superb sales coach, sales trainer, whatever words you want to use, Alison will tell you about them. But um, she's great. She can be brilliant fun. She's always dressed in pink, so you're bang on brand again. And um, it's going to be a great show. So let's kick off and I'll tell you a little bit about Alison. She um, 16 left school, went to be a hotel receptionist. She'll tell you in a minute how they gave her a nice bit of grounding in all areas. Worked for BT after six years of traveling and then did 20 years of corporate sales before setting up on her own. So Alison, tell us about yourself. So yeah, I mean, pretty much you nailed it there. Um, I, I would say originally I'm a, a hotelier at heart. I never really thought I would ever leave hospitality, but I think think it's actually quite interesting at the moment as well Ben because sometimes you move into a, a career and you're quite frightened to change career because you think that's all that there is because mm. that's what you've done for a long time um, and people had said to me I, I, you know that phrase people use the gift of the gab people would say you've got the gift of the gab you should work in sales and I, I knew from my hospitality background, having worked with a lot of sales managers, that actually sales is really quite tough. It's, you need to be quite resilient. You need to be really organized. And actually, it's not about having the gift of the gab. It's about having two really good years and working out what the client really needs. So mm. I was apprehensive about moving into sales, um, but I managed to get a job in the first call center that BT opened in Motherwell in Scotland. Um, and that then gave me a really good grounding. And I think, again, leading into what I do now, a lot of people are chucked into the sales arena with no training. And then, you know, that's why they sort of struggle or that's why they don't get the right training at the start. So they, they, they form bad habits quite early on. And again, they think they've got the gift of the gab and they buy my product, do this. And we see that at networking all the time, don't we? That people don't engage properly. They just start to sell, which is not how you should do it so that's really i said this yesterday i said it yesterday on a, on a call that you go to networking and there's there's two types of people there's people that care and listen and there's people that confetti the room with business cards just telling you what they do how not to do it and i think again i think that's why i was successful in sales is because i got great training early doors in fact it was really funny Ben, because we used to get that the, the office was in Scotland, right? So we would get the train from Glasgow Central to Milton Keynes, right? Because the, the big um, training arena for BT was in Milton Keynes. So at the time, because it was the first call centre, they had to bulk recruit. So there was about 200 of us would go down from Glasgow Central on a Monday morning. And then 200 rather drunk Scottish people would head back up from Milton Keynes to Glasgow on a Friday night. So I apologise now to MD that might have been on that train because we did that for weeks. And I think that's, again, you know, it was really hardcore, really learning the ropes from, from scratch. And 
you know, you look now, a lot of people don't invest that time in the people at the start of the journey. So that's why the results don't, don't pan out for a lot of people. There are going to be people who remember taking that train. I know. Quiet businessmen and women. And there were these 200 rowdy, drunk, Scottish BT interns. Brilliant. Not that um, I'm stereotypical then about Scottish people drinking, but I feel, you know, I've got the right because I am Scottish. And, and, you, lo and you love golf. So, um, and yeah, I do love golf. I no, do. No, st no stereotypes at all on this show. <laughs> it's the home of golf, really. You have to. Yeah. Don't stop me on golf. That's where I'm, that's where I'm going in. How many minutes? Um... 96 minutes I'll be leaving my house to go and play golf. Nice. Do you know, I talk about golf a lot. It's in the first book. So the first book, Secrets of Successful Sales. And no, then but, before you do that, before hey. you do that number, one best, best, number one best selling book. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush. It's not, it's not your diary. Well, do you want me to really like big the book right up? So it was an Amazon number one bestseller around the world. W.H. Smith's top 10 business book. And The Independent voted it one of the top business books written by a woman in 2019. So if you really want to know about the book. Um, but I think it's really important that the listeners and the, and the viewers know that a wee bit about the story about the book. Because I think this is something that, that can inspire them. Because ultimately that's what we, you know, you come on a podcast, yeah, to talk about yourself. But what can we do to inspire your audience? And one of the things... The reason I left school at 16 is I'm dyslexic and I was undiagnosed. So, you know, I can still now, you know, just a few years later, remember English class where you had to stand up and, you know, the fear and the dread. It's a wee bit like networking when you're not used to networking, you know, that one minute and you're like, oh my God, it's coming around. It's nearly me. Your breathing's going up. You know, some people get really nervous and that's what I was like at school because you had to read out loud and I can't read, you know, I, I, I read like a three-year-old, the words got all jumbled up. Um, although I have narrated my audio book, which again is another story for another day, but it's really hard um, so I had kind of convinced myself that I can't write. I'm dyslexic. I can't write. And again, I think in our life, we make excuses. We find, oh, you know, oh, I can't run because I'm too heavy. Oh, I can't play golf because I'm left-handed. Oh, I can't do this because, and that can is a theme in a lot of people's lives, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, and it was for mine for a long time. And I used to have, I've always had a team, again, you know, talking about networking, people in Bristol will have met the team, Natasha, Gemma, Jordan, Kaya, you know, I've always had a team that worked for me who tend to do a lot of the networking for me. And um, the girls would come in or the guys would come in and go, oh, I'm going to write a blog today. And I'd say, that's fantastic because I can't write. And again, that would repeat, you know, day after day, week after, right, I'm going to write a blog, I'm going to write a blog. And I'm like, one day I've been, hang on tells me that I, <laughs> I want to write a blog. Who tells me that I can't write a blog? Ah, oh, it's me. I'm telling me that I can't do it. So I wrote this blog. And again, coming back to golf, it's called The Difference um, Between Sales and Marketing is Like Golf, where I explain my opinion on how sales and marketing fit together. Well, this little blog was only 500 words. It was probably littered in grammar errors and spelling errors. It was like a dyslexic blur. But people loved the content. And I was like, oh. <clears throat> And I think that, again, gives you confidence. And that's how the book came about. So, you know, as a dyslexic author, I'm really proud that I even got that book out, let alone the fact it, it got the gravitas and the support from people that it did. And people love it. I'll go to networking mm -hmm. and, and people will go, oh, 
you're here. I like sometimes I feel like I'm like I'm a wee bit famous. It's like I'm not a bit famous, but people make me like, oh, you're here. And I'll go, yeah. And they'll go, oh, and they'll go in their handbag and they'll bring out the book and the book will have like little post-it notes in it or little highlighted parts. And I'll be like, oh, and like the thrill. And if I'd have let my life and my head believe that I can't do that, I would never have brought that joy and that that skill and that talent to other people. And I think that's why sometimes you just have to make sure that you don't keep telling yourself you can, because actually if you put your mind to it, you can do it. You just have oh, to. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. We, we, we had, a, we had a, a crying Annabelle a minute ago, but my, my microphone might have picked, it, picked up the crying Annabelle. It was just about picked up the dog. Don't worry. There's the joy um, of Zoom, isn't it? And working from home. And I think that's another thing. You look at how we run our lives now, how we run our businesses now, that people are a bit more tolerable about the dog barking or the baby crying because we yeah. have no choice to go anywhere else, really. Well, yeah, and Annabelle was moaning because she'd run out of milk, but she's already had nearly two lot two lots of milk this morning she shouldn't be having any more she's just greedy she'll watch this in 18 years time and hopefully she will have but listen she's a chunky little girl at the moment she um <laughs> she loves she, 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 she loves food she loves milk she's 18 18 19 months old and she just um yeah hopefully she'll watch this in 18 years time and she will be uh she'll be cross with daddy for saying how much how much she ate and drank um i think for me one of the big things you talk about dyslexia and other things is that we live in a world now where you still might be more tolerant we live in a world now where we're more keen to help people understand things which is great but i actually feel it's the world where we get given more excuses so the more I, the more things that we look if someone has something a condition or something that's wrong and they need help then let's help them but also we tend to find a lot of people use them as excuses. I've had different members of teams in the past or different who use things like dyslexia, who use other things. I'm definitely a bit, a bit dyslexic. And I, at school, I was, I was told I was just, I, I couldn't concentrate. I think now you'd be called as ADHD. There's more of a, there's more of a help than a, a look to give you an understanding of what it might be. But the reason I'm saying is that it's about trying to overcome those things and, and not, not be held back by them, isn't it? Completely. And I think that everybody's got a thing that holds them back or could potentially hold them back. Uh, you know, everyone, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, I, I don't believe that anybody out there is 100% super and have nothing. I think, I mean, for me, again, I work with a, a, a lot of a young team. And again, as you say, like everybody's got a thing that could potentially hold them back. For me, I, I like to try and find out what that thing is early doors so that I can help support and it's been really interesting. One of the girls that works for me, she's been with me now for two and a half years. So she's now 22 and a half, 20, nearly 20. She'll be 23 this month. I see, I remember the birthdays again. Always a good sign of a good boss. You remember the birthdays. But um, being aware of that. So she, when she came to work for me, she nearly never came for the interview because she suffers with anxiety and stress. And, you know, she really was a bundle of nerves about everything that would happen like she didn't like to do networking she didn't like to pick up the phone and again I think like younger people sometimes do have a lot of issues around the phone you know we see this a lot in sales because they've not been brought up with that phone the phone's not for actually speaking to people it's for you know accessing the internet and so I think it's really important that you kind of try and pull the 
I think for me, it sounds a wee bit odd, but I think it's sort of probably negatively discriminate in the other direction. But I love it when I've got people that I can take under my wing because I know that I can help reduce anxiety. I know that I can give them new skills. And now the, the girl that works for me, she's gone through her apprenticeship. You know, she's on a good salary with me now. She really, I, 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 when, when she does things or says things, I feel so proud, Ben, that I know right. that I've done that. But I think a lot of employers kind of don't put the time in. I think it's the time in. You know, everybody's got this thing and it could be anything, you can use it as an excuse, but actually it, you can turn that into their strength, but it takes time and effort and a lot of people don't it's get to do, in my opinion with a lot of employers are worried that member staff will just go away or leave so i, I mean, think i think they regret i think they neglect putting the time in it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you stand if you sit there and go my wife doesn't like me she's going to leave me my wife doesn't like me and she's going to leave me therefore i'm not going to put the effort in what to leave you if a member of staff isn't trained up, made to feel worthwhile, coached and enabled, again, they're going to leave you. Yeah. So, I, 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 look, we've done it. We, we've got, we've got a lovely team. We kept it small at the start. Got a couple of wrong hires, but we've got a great team. We mm. enable them. We encourage them. We, we, we've put their salary up as they've been with us, rewarding them being there and learning more skills. We pay, we pay for extra qualifications. Yeah. Um, we've got two of the team now. Um, I love what's the date today? June, isn't it? So two of the team now, they're going to enroll on a, on a, on a one, new, brand new one-year qualification, which is, which is quite a lot of study. I think it's sort of like 12, 15 hours a week. It's a, yeah. proper, it's a proper course. You can do it over two years or one year. And, that, and they're going to enroll in that in September, October. You've got to do that. Mm-hmm. Or do other types of coaching, or they are going to leave. Yeah. And I think if you don't have the attitude you've got and we've got you just lose staff what i want to what i want to go with very quickly you yeah. finish that thought and i want to go into when you set up your sales so roll, roll from what you want to finish into the next one when you set up your sales company what was the calling you had and gap you saw so finish the bit on the team and then go into that I mean, with the team, I think there's that phrase, isn't it? You train them well enough to leave and then you hope that they stay because that's where really it's really important to give them those skills. And and I think it's you can give them the skills, but if you're not giving them, then they're going to leave anyway. So I think it just reiterates the point. Um, What was the calling? I mean, it's really interesting because I had no idea what the calling at all was, Ben. I mean, I never thought again... Like I never thought I'd leave hospitality. I never thought that I would leave sales. I never wanted to set up my own business. I just came to a crossroads. And I think like at all times when we come to a crossroads, it's a wee bit like um, who wants to be a millionaire, isn't it? You phone your friend, you know, you're stuck. You phone a friend. And I've got my pal in Scotland, Lorraine. So Lorraine and I went to school together and we worked together at the Cameron House at Loch Lomond. And I said, Lorraine, I've got no idea. I just, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she goes, you're going to set up your own business to teach people to sell the way that you do from your heart and from your passion. And I went, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I did, I, you know, got the domain name, started the website. And, you know, again, I think this is another thing for people thinking about starting a business. Like I was working and I set it up. I think it's never a great idea just to jack in your job and set it up because it, it, it heightens the, 
the factor of you might fail because you don't have an income and at the start of the business it's really hard work and it takes a long time and I'm a bit um, desperate as well you become yeah. a bit desperate and you either sacrifice a bit of quality or price and and you're not true to your values i'm a big believer if you can if you can marry the two together you can keep all that going nicely yeah and bringing it back to networking i think that's part of the reason that a lot of people don't know how to network because they are desperate you know they've set up and then they need to be bringing in cash and that's not how you know we've already identified that's not how you do it so um i mean that was two it was 2011 when i set it up and then again this is another thing that will be relatable like between 2011 and 2014 literally I, I was starting a business, I wasn't, I was going to finish it, I was going to do it, I was, I, I call it the Tom Daly time, right? So I had sort of decided that I was going to get up to the 10 metre board and I was going to dive in, I was going to, you know, set up this business. And I got to the top and it was, was that time, I thought, I'm not ready. So I went down to the five metre, no, I'm not ready for that either. And I ended up, you know, like I, I started like faffing around doing a little bit of work while I was working. So I was jumping in from the side of the pool. And it was 2014 that I finally decided. And again, I think that's another thing that's really important, that time, timing is everything. You know, people talk about, you know, when's the right time? I mean, I started the business when I was 46. You know, I incorporated when I was 46. And, you know, on the grand scheme of things, I'm working with entrepreneurs who are doing multi-million pound mergers at 18 and 21. Like, I'm the old lady of our friendship group. Um, but I think it's timing. Timing is really key for everything. If you haven't got the timing right, then it's not going to work. You need to make sure the time is is a hundred percent. So that was me. And then you know I, took, I started to take on the team again. About like you, the first bit of the team didn't work. I, I didn't know enough about business to be honest to be an employer. Um, and I think that's what taught me a lot in a quick succession of time. I think you learn through, especially as a dyslexic, you learn from the things that didn't go particularly well. And you think, right, okay, I learned that, not going to do that. And I think that's what makes me, again, I'm not a business consultant, a business advisor. I kind of stick to my lane, which is sales. But I think that's what makes me relatable to people having gone through the journey myself. And I mean, since then, it's gone a bit nuts. I mean, it's like some of the things that I have to pinch myself, literally, I have to pinch myself because... You know, I've been in and out of 10 Downing Street giving the government advice on small businesses. I was at the Queen's Garden Party as a thank you for the work that I do to support small businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, I've worked in Kuwait. Um, I've been working with big organisations like the Discovery Channel, Sky. I was due to speak for the European Commission. Obviously, we had to cancel it for obvious reasons. But that's, you know, go back to the start of the story. I was 16, I was dyslexic. I'm from a high-rise flat in Clydebank, which is not the poshest part of Glasgow. Um, and there's me hanging out and doing all this stuff. So I, again, I think it does come back to mindset. I, I, I never really knew what I wanted to do or what it looked like, but I knew that I was destined to do great things. And I made the great things happen because eventually I put a plan in place to do those great things. And I think there's great things that don't always involve monetary things. You know, there's things that I've done that are priceless. You know, the Queen's Garden Party, that's priceless. You can't do it. And, and you know, this is where sometimes these great things happen. And that's where you miss your family. That's where I miss my parents. And that's where you're coming back to the stuff that you do, Ben, that I think it's just so important to protect your family. And that that's, you know, these monetary things are the things that are priceless that you just 
you just have to enjoy every single minute of every single day I think and, and yeah, that's I think you, you're right. They have to do it. Why do you think that people don't? Why do you think people don't realise it until it's too late? Because it's not as if we haven't all been from from when you were a girl and I was a boy. We've all heard look a lot of glare coming in off my screen now. To apologize. Look, we've all heard um, you'll miss them when they're gone. Enjoy the moment. Take care of it. So you just said something really important. We, we, for anyone listening and watching, we are going to come on to some sales training in a minute. Don't worry, we will come on to it. But why do you think people, you just said something so important about those things meant so much to you and how amazing they were. But you obviously missed mum and dad to share that with, to talk to them about it, to either take them along or to do whatever. Why do you think as a society, we, we hear it all the time, but we still don't understand it until we go through it? I don't know. I think that we take our family for granted. I think one of the things that lockdown has taught us is, is scratched us back to really valuing the things that matter. And again, I think people get to, you know, the word that people use are, oh, busy, how are you? I'm really busy. Everybody's busy. And I think busy is just an excuse that um, we are trying to cram a lot in. I think the lockdown has told us actually, you know what, there's all these things that we're doing. Travel you know, for one, you know, we look at this, we would never have done this by Zoom. In fact, I don't know if we'd have done it at all. We'd have, we, I mean, how many times were we meant to meet up to try and sort out, you know, what was going on in my, you know, policies and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, I'm too busy, too busy. So I, I think that we've had an excuse for many a year that we've all been too busy. But I think now, you know, absence makes a heart grow fonder, doesn't it? And I think that's where people now not getting to see their parents, grandparents, you know close ones are missing them so i hope it is a you know of all the negative things that this virus has given us i hope this is the positive thing but there's just i can never reiterate the fact that you just have to hold the ones that are close to you tight because the day that you really want them they're the day they're never going to be there so and that's one of my things that now I just, I savour every day. I savour every minute of every day. Literally, I try. And I, again, you know, tips for anybody that's watching. Like, how do I do that? I get asked all the time. I ask them, how, you're always smiley. You're always bubbly. And it's interesting because there's a lot of people pretend to be. If you look at, like, let's look at somebody like the actor Robin Williams, for example. I mean, if you, not that I knew him, but, you know, from the outset, looking at him, you'd think, oh, he's the happiest man alive. But, oh, behind closed doors, he obviously wasn't. And I think... Oh. A lot of people to try and try and be that person they're not. I think for me, and another thing, the word authentic is overused. Like I'm just me. Like you could you could pick up the phone, Ben, right now to my pal, one of my pals from school, somebody I work with in South Africa, somebody I work with in Australia, and they'll say like describe Alison Edgar, and they'll describe what you see. Mm. I think sometimes um, people are not content in their own skin. They want to be something they're not, or they're not maximizing their skills. You know, what is the skill that you can maximize to be content and happy? Because I think happiness, if you're happy, that kind of drives the momentum to, to rub off on other people, if, if that makes sense. Well, I think, I think look, it's something I've been very guilty of. Um, I, 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 credit my, I credit my daughter and my wife for, for that sort of change in me, is that I, I was very uncontent. Um, I always trying to look for what was going to make me happy and actually 
it wasn't a case of I wasn't happy. I actually was. I loved my life. I had a great friends. Still have them. Yeah, they haven't left. Um, still have great friends. Played a lot of cricket um, and played a lot of golf. Enjoyed sport. Had a great family. And actually, it was just it was almost Annabelle arriving. Maybe going. Oh no, no. Actually, this is what I like. This is what I want. But maybe I'd like to um, build the business a bit bigger and a bit quicker. And maybe I'd like to be able to afford a property abroad. I can store a second set of golf clubs in. So actually. It was realising that my happiness was actually what I was doing. I, it, but it took the arrival of Annabelle. By the way, if anyone's watching is hoping to scan my password by my daughter's name, Annabelle is not in my password. So, so go for your guns. Um, I, I was told once, don't ever say your daughter's name. People hack your passwords. If your daughter's name is your password, you're an idiot. Um, but I think that arrival of Annabelle really helped me cement actually what is important. And... I tend to care a little bit less now about the externalities and the, the bullshit that you see. Yeah. What, 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 help, what helps you with that? What got you to the point where, I know you say you've always been you, but there must have been a point growing up. You could have been 16, you could have been 40. Mm. It could have been when you set the business at 46. What kind of got did that with the blinkers? So you just didn't care as much about the periphery? I think that I've always had, um, it's interesting now because I'm writing a book. So the new book is called um, The Art of Getting What You Want. And the new book has come from the fact that people read Secrets of Successful Sales. And it, it's been, it's been mind-blowing for me because it's called Secrets of Successful Sales. So the clues in the name, the people I expected to read it were people who were in sales or people who were in business, right? I mean, that's like, it's a kind of business book. But people were reading it. <laughs> who were not in sales or business and it was helping them with their real life. So I thought, I've, again, the, the book, new book called me, I have to write a book that people can use in their every single day life to help them get what they want. And I think this is fundamental that, you know, we've scratched the surface on this book. I mean, we're not even scratched it. We've gone deep dive and we've given them because I, I tend to get what I want. And I think that's what makes me happy. Does that make sense? Because I know what I want, I go for it, I get it, and it makes me happy. I think a lot of people don't know what they want, so they then do the wishy-washy, so they'll say things like, what do you want? Oh, I want freedom, I want happiness, I want money, I want... And they, they say the wishy-washies, and I think and when, until you define what you really want, you can't put a plan in place to get it. So if you're, if you're living in wishy-washy land, I think that's what affects people, because they're not, again... And this is the interesting thing, Ben, you know, you get a business plan, you do a SWOT analysis, you've got SMART goals, you run that, we run that in our businesses every day, which is why we've got successful businesses, but people don't do it in their life. And it's not that they should be regimented and living every minute, but if you're segmenting it, you know, what makes you happy now? Well, the things that make me happy, I like to play golf. I really like to take Annabelle to the park. I really like to have an income that I don't have to worry about my mortgage every month. And I really like to go on date night, you know, every second Monday, whatever it is. Well, that's your goals. And you know, when you do that, you think, actually, do you know that just really, that, that you know, I get out in the park with Annabelle, it's a, you know, Saturday morning, it's eight o'clock. You know, we're the only people running around in a circle around the bandstand. That just sets my heart on fire. And that buzz of, whereas if you say, well, 
oh, you know, I want a second property. Well, why do you want a second property? So I can store my golf clubs. Well, then you're putting pressure on yourself because you don't need that second property. Actually, I want it so that I can visit that three times a year, I can spend 20 minutes on the beach so that instead of having to run around the park in the rain, we can run around the beach in the sun. And that's why I want it. And I think that's why people need those specific goals. And that's... That dive in, you said, like you said, yeah. dive into that. that right. And, and, and I think the interesting thing about the book is so there's a lot of books on personal development, mindset, and all that kind of Too stuff. Many. But, but the problem you've got is they stop with you, right? And I think you, a lot of the time, people don't get what they want because it's them. They're the broker, right? You know, it takes them 10 books to realize that, and it's the same sort of stuff. But what this book does, a lot of the time, you getting what you want is not you it's other people are involved in getting what you want. So if it's a promotion at work or if it's, you know, you getting a new client or whatever, you know, the same kind of thing, that's not you. You can't magic it and mindset to wish it to happen. You've got to have the skills to make it happen. And that's the interpersonal, the behavior stuff. And I think this is what makes the book unique because not only does it cover the personal development side, it covers and it proves at the end that everything we do is a sale because I've got the methodology. So I do have high hopes for this book um, to take it on, you know, really help people. And I think the timing will be good because people will, you know, will struggle coming out the other end of this. It's not so bad at the moment when it's sunny and people are on furlough, but there'll be changes and there'll be a lot of people that will be needing my help and positivity moving forward. And it... <sighs> I'm not going to go in a deep dive in, in the furlough and the corona. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, you know how positive I am. I'm not Captain Negative. But if people think that we're going to come straight out of this into a buoyant economy because of X, Y, and Z, they are crazy. That one of the panels I sit on, a couple of the, a couple of advisory boards are talking, we feed information into different think tanks and whatever else. But I'll be honest, I sit on them and I talk to people and someone else does something with the data and the conversations. Um, I believe, and we're, one of the things we're saying is we think it'll be around about 4.5 million unemployed. Let's just have a think about that. That's a, well, that's do you know, a high so number. I've just written, uh, I tend to, while I'm writing the book, it's a lot of harder work, deeper, you know, more intense writing. So I'll, I'll write a LinkedIn post. So that's probably 200 and odd words. And I, would, I do, my give back is I work with young people in schools. So school, again, young people just like, they brighten up my life. I think, I, I still think I am 16. I think that's what the problem is. So um, I'll go in and we talk about employability and the job market and, and, and you know, how they settle in to, to finding their paths and what, you know, they're good at and what they want to do. And one of the things is I talk about musical chairs, right? So they kind of think I'm a bit mad. So I'll go right who knows who's heard of musical chairs you know like what's that old lady on about and i'll say right okay so what's the what is the point of musical chairs and they'll say well you run round and you know we all sit on a chair and i said and how do you win musical chairs well you know it's the last person that's on the chair that's left brilliant that's exactly how it is and what do you normally win oh goodie bag packet of sweeties is that is it worth winning that well, yeah, it's nice to win, but you know, could take or leave the sweetie. Well, so, okay. And so, what happens if I um if I put twenty five thousand pound cash on that chair? Would you want to win? And they're all like, Yeah, oh yeah, yes, miss, I'd love to win. That's what it's like getting a job, and that's what it was like getting a job in a buoyant market. 
So now to get a job in, in a, a less buoyant market, you need to be quick, you need to be slick, you need to be knowledgeable, you'll need to be learning to sell yourself because, you know, this is where a lot of people, and again, I, I, you know, the furlough scheme is great because people are actually getting paid, but a lot of people are not utilizing that time to be quick and to be slick. And you don't know what's going to happen to your job at the end of this. So, you know, there's 25 grand or 30 grand or 40 grand or 18 grand, whatever it is. That's why now people should be learning new skills that are going to further them or, or even just keep their job safe. I, I think that your point scares me because I agree with you. A couple of my friends are in recruitment, um, you know, Adam and my friend, you know, Adam Buckland, my friend Sam and a few other people are in recruitment. Some guys are in my office block, really nice guys. The company called Avona, they do space and exploration. So they've been all over the SpaceX stuff. Um, there's some really good people in recruitment and I've been talking to them and they are shocked at how few people are reaching out that are on furlough. They feel that most people on furlough just think they will go back. And one of my friend, one of my close friends, no names mentioned, he, he's been on furlough and um, that he's now having to reapply for his job because they announced last week they're going to do a round of redundancies. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't remember the figures. I think there were 98 people in the team and there are now going to be 44. Yeah, so uh, it's, and it's, it's, going to happen. it's over 50% redundancies. And if people think that you're just going to come back, from, I'm not doing this to scare anyone. Look, this is this is this is not to fit. This is a public service announcement. If you're on furlough, ring a recruitment consultant in your field and ask them to help you with your CV yeah, to make sure it's up to date. To get your CV up to date. I think that's a problem. I mean, I know that I'm dyslexic, but even in my world, the word furlough is not spelled H O L. I D A Y. That's a completely different word, and I think hopefully that was holiday. I think it was holiday. Was, in my head, it should have been, but I'm dyslexic. I could have said anything, but it's not. And I think this is where you know. And but I think this is the thing that a lot of people are scared, Ben. And this is where the whole um, really understanding your your self awareness. Why are some people more scared than others? Why do some people take action and other people don't? And this is the stuff that I've got in the new book around the behaviours and the mind side. You know, it's like a lot of people are, are scared so what happens again going back to the caveman times it's the you either you know you fight you fight or you freeze and a lot of people have gone into the freeze mode like you know hoping if i just freeze nothing will happen nothing will change so you can't blame people it's not a blame culture but it's to get them to understand why that's what their behavior is and and again to get on the chair, you need to be quick, you need to be slick. If you freeze in musical chairs, you ain't going to go at your backside on the chair. So yeah. actually just identifying that that's what you're doing is something that people can take away. I think for me, I just love to hear more people not going on holiday, not treating like, I don't, I don't, it's not, I'm going to lack compassion. I understand people are trying to stay positive, but you can be positive in your mindset, as you say, and positive in your actions. If your positivity in your action is to go and redo your CV, start it back up, even if you have to reapply for your own job. Yeah, I think that's not a bad thing now to, to, to apply, you know, what, what are the skills? And I think 
you know, one of the things at the moment, there's loads of tools, um, like IDEA, we, we do a lot of work with Buckingham Palace, it's like the digital stuff. So there's like loads of BT are running like digital training courses. So if maybe you've been in a job for a long time and you're, maybe, you know, scared of the tech stuff and you're like, oh, you know, all the young people and oh, all the older people or whatever it is, it's learning the new skills. And, I, you know, I'll tell you a wee story that I talk about in the first book and it's about my dad. And it... Um, I saw something on Facebook years ago and somebody, it was a, it was a bit of a, a thread that was, had a, not, like a lot of negative connotations on it. And I was kind of following the thread going, where's this going? And somebody said, okay, ignore that person. They've got a fixed mindset. And I thought, I've heard of a fixed mindset, but I don't really know what that is. So I had a little look through Carol Dweck's studies again about fixed and growth mindset and how we get in there and how we change our mindset. And I thought, oh, that'd be a really good example. I used to do a Facebook Live every Friday on my Entrepreneurs Can Clan. I thought, oh, that'd be a really good thing to talk about. So I did a wee story and, you know, I had to think, do I know anybody that's ever changed their mindset? And what happened was my dad, um, so my dad, when he was eight years old, this was 1943. So there was quite a lot going on in the world in 1943. He was actually knocked down by a bicycle. Uh, where, where, where was dad? Was dad in Glasgow? He was in Glasgow. Where, where, where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all Glasgow. I mean, my dad was like the worst part of Glasgow, Postle Park. I mean, that is like the... Is, that the, old, is that the old tenement housing? Oh, what? yeah, yeah. Like Literally, Postle Park is like, he's just mm. like, oh, that's really rough. Uh, Clydebank's bad. Postle Park's even worse. So he got knocked down and at this time his his dad had died and his mum had been taken into a mental hospital so he was being brought up by his brother and it was just a mess really and he was told he would never ever walk he would never walk after the accident and my dad there's he obviously had a growth mindset and he learned how to walk so there's pictures of him in a wee wheelchair and then little calipers and he kind of learned to walk so well that by the time he was old enough he did his national service he managed to blag his way in and because he had been educated, or he hadn't really been educated, he'd been in hospital, he never got a chance to go to college or university, but he was very naturally quite bright. And he got a job on the shipyard. So that's like everybody in Glasgow worked on the shipyards because that's where the QE2 came from, the Queen Mary. That was a big employer, either hard engineering or shipyards. And he got a job as a, draft, a draftsman. So he was on the boards and... What happened was he then met my mum and my mum was quite a small town girl um, from Clyde Bank. She, she was scared of risk. And my dad was offered a job as a, a night school lecturer, right? So he liked to be a college lecturer. Now that would have been a game changer for us because he would have had a better salary. We would have been able to move out of the council house, maybe buy a house, maybe get a dog. You know, we'd be able to do things differently. And he was too scared and he said no. And again, I think there's a lot of people at this, you know, they, they do the fright, fight or freeze. And it's like, no, I'm too scared. I'm going to just stick to what I know. <clears throat> anyway, when he was getting older, he was in his 50s. And that's where at that time, the whole world was changing. This is now into the 80s. And he, um, they were making redundancies. I mean, literally redundancy after redundancy on the shipyards because they would stop building the ships. And what was happening was the young guys were coming on and they could all do AutoCAD. So the older guys in their fifties were all getting made redundant. And it was just a glutton. There was a lot of like unionism. There was a lot of a fixed mindset. Oh, it's the, you know, it's the, the white collar workers. It's their fault. It's this one's fault. It was everybody's fault, right? Everybody's fault. 
apart from theirs, really, you know. And my dad had a choice. He could either join in with, the, the, you know, the fixed mindset people, the bad apples, and this is going to happen. You know, this is like a, you know, every sort of set thing in history seems to recycle and come back. Uh, you know, it's never anybody's fault, just their fault. And my dad made a choice. He went back then to having a growth mindset. And when he was in his 50s, he went back to college and he was, again, still in a lot of pain from his leg. It never really got that, you know, better. He always had a limp. And he got his HMD in AutoCAD. And, and that's where, again, you've got a choice to retrain or do things differently or not. And what happened when my dad was in his 50s, he became a contractor because he became so sought after because the young guys could only do AutoCAD and the old guys could only do the drafts board. And my dad could do both. So like he earned more money in his late fifties than he had in the rest of his life. And I think that's where now that story I hope will resonate with at least one person who thinks, you know what? Okay, that's how I've always done things. That's not going to cut the mustard. I can no. either sit in a fixed mindset and go, oh, it's not my fault. It's the virus's fault. It's, oh, I, the managers, they've got a job. Oh, I, the politicians, they've got a job. But poor me. Or they can make a choice to retrain and put their backside on a seat that's got the money sitting on it. So I, I believe in choice is the thing. But, you know, coming back to your, you know, conversation earlier about excuses or, negativity or you know we can all make excuses but it's the choice that you make and nobody can take that choice away from you you some people some people are going to be a victim of certain things for sure yeah but the vast majority of people have got control over their situation in 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 this instance with the furlough and the redundancies and the firings and the coming back future jobs most we, there are people looking at it, but as you say your dad had those choices if you're on furlough now and you've got the and you can you've got the choice to update your cv enroll on a course do this do that and you don't and someone else does then no one can blame and, and you said you're right that they'll blame they'll blame the government they'll blame the bloody tories They'll blame Labour for not doing something. No matter who's in charge, they'll blame everybody. And, and, it, and it doesn't normally... I saw someone the other day writing something about MPs and saying oh, this, that and the other about MPs. And I thought... And they, and they said something like, they're meant to be the best of the best. I thought, well, actually, the people that say the MPs are meant to be the best of the best are the ones that complain about how much MPs earn. Mm-hmm. So MPs earn 60-odd grand a year. Yes, that, that is a good amount of money to earn. But the best of the best, they're in industry, they're in business, they're in law, they're in other areas earning 300, 400,000 pounds a year. Our MPs aren't. No. You're not going to get the very best of the best if you're not paying them that. So when people go to moan about things, they, they moan a very blinkered view. They don't want to take in any other information from the side. But I think that comes back to, you know, where we started off earlier about what makes you happy, you know, at the time when you go through. I mean, one of the things that's a, a, a happiness thief is concentrating on things you can't control so mm-hmm. you can you know you can sit there and like you know hoover up the news and go oh it's all doom and gloom or oh, this is happening or oh, you know politicians are getting to go to their second homes you know you could sit there and concentrate on that and that's where again they make a choice people are making a choice to sit in that negative bubble actually if they shut the doors on the negativity and concentrate on the things they can control 
And again, I know it's tough, especially if you're homeschooling your child or, you know, you're living. I mean, I came from a high rise flat, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't like to be there or obviously we've got a bit more freedom. But during lockdown, that's tough. I know because I was brought up in a high rise flat, but nobody ever stopped you from going out for exercise. So, you know, people chose not to go out and chose to complain about things. And again, this is what I mean. It's choice. And people ask me, how do I stay in a net? You know, how do I avoid negativity? How do I stay in positivity? Because I only focus on the things I can control. You know, I can control, get up in the morning, get my breakfast, put on a happy song. Like today, what did we have today? We had journey don't stop believing so i start my day every morning with like something i can sing to when alexa goes off at six she plays um the beatles here comes the sun so you're starting wow. your day off Amazing. in a positive mindset again if you wake up and you think oh today's going to be really bad then what happens is you feel oh i don't know if i feel very well or oh, maybe i have me well, maybe i'm not very well and then what happens is you'll behave negatively and you'll sit in that circle whereas if you wake up and you think today this could be the greatest day of my life. So if you think like, take that, then what will happen is you'll feel good and you'll go, right, I'm going to fix my CV today. I'm going to learn a new skill today. I'm going to do something that's going to get my backside on one of those seats and get me that money or do whatever. And then you'll go, oh my goodness, that guy's so positive. He's the kind of person we want in our organization. And then again, oh, I've got a job. I'm really good at that. Oh, I could learn something else. And it's that it's the circle. It's just going around the circle. And you know, if you think you're not in the positive circle, that you're in the negative circle, well, you have a choice to draw a line and think, right, I'm going to change my circle. And that's what makes people happy. You don't think that even if you are, so let's, let's take those two, let's take those two ways. You wake up positive and happy, listen to, um, today this could be the greatest day of our lives or the circle. It felt like you were getting as many take that songs in as possible. <laughs> um, but you wake up positive or you wake up negative those, those are two ways. There is a third way I find that sometimes if you wake up and you just don't feel great, if you just get going, it's amazing how quickly you start to feel great. It's you know what I mean? It's like, so, the, you know, if it's a really good day, it's a Gary Barlow day. Some days it's a Jason Orange day. Some days it's a Howard Donald day. You know, you can rate your days to take that as well then. Right. <laughs> Let's, let's 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 move on and finish, and finish off with so you, you talk about successful sales um i think that to very quickly just tell people the difference between sales and marketing oh it's like golf so marketing put the tea in the ground and put the ball in the tea so it's things like your website your emails your linkedin your social you know, your um, promotional materials, all that kind of stuff. None of that is sales. It's all marketing. And then as in sales, we take it down the fairway, put it on the green and put the ball in the hole because only when the ball goes in the hole do you make any money. Usually the people in marketing go, nonsense, it's nonsense. What happens is as in marketing, we put the ball right down to the hole and you sales guys tap it in and take all the glory but if your marketing's good so like again you know i saw you know you posted on linkedin that i was coming on the show uh, you know i'm going to be wearing pink you know that my name's going to be in the background you know that i've got that because that's part of my marketing strategy and the reason i wear pink isn't that i really like pink it's just i know that if i walk into a room and everybody's wearing black everybody knows who alison edgar is and then you know when they need a sales trainer or they need help with their business then they're more likely to contact me than anybody else that's 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 part of my marketing strategy but then if you look at things like um amazon 
our eBay, that's not sales at all. That's a hole in one for marketing. And that's the holy grail. You know, people, you just want to be putting up, you know, buy my stuff. And it just like people just drop into your, you know, the passive income. Do you want to make six or seven figures? It's the holy grail. You know, there's a load of people that peddle all this stuff and it doesn't really happen. And it's just people that want to peddle and get that pyramid going for themselves. So I think that's another conversation for another day. But um, I saw one of those, you'll, you'll love it. I saw one of those yesterday. I'm not going to say it is. I, there's a couple of those blokes that I cannot stand. They're all over the internet. They're, they're all famous, and some people worship the altar of them. And this one guy saying, "Well, look, what, what you need to do," he said, "if you want to get a passive income, is invest in commercial property. Take five hundred thousand dollars and buy. Who's look? What you're telling you're telling people to take five hundred thousand dollars and invest in commercial. Like, I've done all right. I don't have that money. I don't have. I don't have a tenth of that money spare." To pop into like they are they talk and, and people lap it up they pay 120 quid oh, no. to go and listen to them talk live oh. i talk about this in the new book it's called con men and controversy there's a whole chapter on it <laughs> but there's there's one out there i really like um the guy gary vaynerchuk oh he's gary great. I, don't, I wouldn't put him in the scene yeah, um he's not like that at all he's great yeah i, 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 I really, I really like him it's an interesting one with Gary Vee because if you look and, and sometimes, um, you know, is that brand recognition? So if you look at what he did, well, he was actually in the wine business, first of mm -hmm. all, and he got the TV slot. So his name, his brand was high, his marketing, his ball was close to the hole. So then it was easier, whereas a lot of people try and do this without their brand being high enough to me. Gary Vee moved into that as a secondary side because he, he could teach people how to do it because he'd done it himself. But, you know, there's not that many, this is the thing that it's not impossible to do it, but it's tough work. And I think that's where I like the fact he does say that. Actually, but uh, have the TV stuff to start. But actually, if you, you go even further back than that, he did what you talked about, about upskilling. He learned how to do mass market emails to yeah. a client bank and mm -hmm. keep a sort of a, a CRM system yeah. to keep in contact with. He learned how to do that. And he learned how to do the Google adverts before and Google AdWords before anyone else yeah. learned to do it. Yeah. I, I think I remember listening to him, basically his advert, AdWords were like 10 cents an advert. Whereas yeah, now if you want the same wine advert, it's £2.50. Yeah. I, I don't put him in that. Uh, I don't put him in that spot at all. Yeah. I think he's a, you know, the real McCoy. And I tell you, when I watch, I don't watch that many of these videos, but when I do watch them, you know, he does drill people about, you know, well, how do you think you're going to make that money when nobody knows who you are? Surely you yeah. should just be concentrating on getting people to know who you are. And I think, you know, he's, he's very honest with it. And that's what I admire about him is his honesty and his authenticity, Ben. Yeah, so he, for me, he's, he's one that doesn't come into that category. No, I, I don't but, put him in that category. There are an awful lot of snake sales, snake horse salesmen. And, and again, I'm not, saying, I'm, I'm not going to give him the benefit of saying their name and people may be checking them out and end up giving them some money no. but there are so many and it does really annoy me but we've done, we've done a little bit about the sales and marketing piece what if anyone's come in what, how many minutes are we in we're 58 minutes in so we're now going to do a sales tip 58 minutes in this is very typical for a conversation between you and i um what's the biggest what's not biggest what's the most common issue you come across in selling and what are your top two or three tips to help businesses with those some sort of little takeaways uh selling too soon definitely i mean it's interesting if i'm running a course and i say right what's your goal for the course people go closing i kind of do a mini fist bump ah because i know 
that they've not opened. That's why they can't close. It's like a door, you know, if you've not asked the right questions, if you've not got to the needs, you've Alice, not we've asked. Lost you. One second. Oh. Hang on one second. I've lost you a second. Hang on. Okay. Bear with me one second. Can you speak again now? Yeah, I can speak. Can you hear me? Bear me one second. Yeah, they look like there was a, a glitch in the system. So you see people come on the course and what they say? Yeah, so um, the one of the main things that I see as an issue in sales is when people come on the course, they'll say to me, um, well, I say, what's the goal? And they say, closing. And I kind of do a mini fist bump because part of the reason that I know that they can't close is they've never opened. It's like a door. You know, you can't shut a door till you've opened the door. Um, you know, they've not asked the right questions. They've not got what the customer needs and they're not matching. And that's all sales is. It's really just like a game of snap. It's, you know, you're not going to sell to everyone, but if you open the door wide enough and you ask the right questions, then you'll you'll close. The other thing is, a lot of people don't have the confidence to close and I think they don't have the confidence to close again because they haven't opened it. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's sort of a lot around that area and, and people want to take things on to a higher level. Oh, I really need to know about negotiation. No, you don't because you're still not opened. It's, it's really, to me, the fundamental core that people really struggle with. And, they, you know, if you get cold calls, it's just like, they waffle on, you know, they're on there giving it, blah, 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 blah. you know, I set a timer. If I get a cold call, I literally set a timer and see how long it takes them to breathe. And it's usually about three minutes. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, thanks. You know, they just, there's a lot of skills gap out there for people that just don't know how to sell. How, how do they overcome that? Have you, got, have, you got, have you got two things, two look in the mirror things you can say to people about, about what about opening and what about, not trying to close too quickly if so if you're coaching me now and said ben here's something you can do for opening and here's something you can do to not try and close too quickly right so if you um if you look at conversion so again sometimes people are getting calls that people are coming in inbound inquiries again marketing's done a good job you still don't have the ball in the hole you know you're maybe at a pitching wedge away from the green uh, again a lot of people kind of assume assumption you know that they kind of know what they want or they kind of um you know, they're ready to buy, whereas the stronger questions are, okay, what prompted you to contact me regarding this? Okay, that's great. And just like, just for my clarity and sanity, how does the decision making process work in your house? Or how does that normally work? Because again, people are trying to close and they're like, well, I need to speak to my husband or my wife or, you know, and it's how you, the probability, really working on the probability, because that's how you sort your pipeline. Um, and, you know, what was your time frame to do that? So really good questions, early doors will, will tell you the next steps of the sale because you'll know the probability. Um, and again, the behaviours, it's all the stuff I teach in the book. So really understanding the behaviours, knowing the sales process, having a really strong strategy and having confidence. That's the four key areas that I, I found when I did the research that people just really struggle with. Find a lot of people don't understand the sales process because sometimes they go right well why wouldn't you want to buy it so i tell you what i'll do rather than understand you i'll tell you all the amazing things about what we do and i think though that comes back to, buy it. <laughs> yeah that's but that comes back to where we started when we started the, the conversation because like in, when i moved into sales bt put me on a train with 200 people for three weeks before i was allowed to even 
like even entertain phoning a customer and yet people are thrown in at the deep end and that's the thing that they to sell they go and it does this and it does this and it does the next thing and that's where people you know they'd either have to invest in their own scale sales skills now if they're off or if companies companies should be investing in it because that's it's, it's more key now than it's ever been and people were saying you know about sales and i said oh yeah Sales is to the economy as hand sanitizer is to hygiene. Without sales, you don't have a business. No, well, I, I said that, and you said before, if you don't have sales, you don't have a business, and it's it's very true. And and I get I've met a couple of people who network who I, I don't do sales. Well, why are you here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you obviously do sales because that's why you're in this room now because you're you're trying to promote your business and trying to sell. Now, yeah. Alison, I've taken up so much of your time. I think you're amazing. I would love to get you on again. Do you want to come on just before the new book launch? Or yeah, on yeah, the day yeah. Or Jan the day uh, we're planning for a it's a January book, so I'm planning for a January launch just after okay. Christmas. So as soon as as soon as um, that's out, or just as it's going out, let's get you on and let's get that get 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 that promoted as well. Maybe maybe get you to maybe get you to read aloud a chapter. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Day Alison. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thank you.